Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Today is our 115th episode on Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner, and I'm so, so, so happy that we have been consistently doing this. It's a pleasure for us to connect our Italian wine ambassadors with their favorite Italian wine producer. And this has been going on, I guess, for, gosh, I guess, I don't know, for three years or two years. I really can't recall, but we are happy to keep this show going. It's been one of our favorite shows on Italian Wine Podcast. So for today, we have Robert Maggi, born and bred in Puglia. He is now settled in Cardiff, where he's been for the past four years. After graduating in 2012 from, oh gosh, Aber, Aberitz... I'll help you with this, Aberystwyth. <laughs> Thank you. I was practicing this, do you know, before, and I was... I've, I've been keeping, I was trying to repeat and repeat this. Now I, I don't know, I just can't pronounce it now. Aberystwyth. A university in business and management with Spanish. It was a simple wine course back in 2013 that sparked his passion for wine, and he now holds the ICE certification as a sommelier. Level 3 WSET and recently qualified as an Italian wine ambassador with the VIA Academy. He has extensive experience in the sector, including time with the award-winning Australian winery Jim Barry Wines, as well as dedicating the last five years to the promotion of wines from Puglia around the globe. His passion is now his job, and he now runs his own company, Wines and Vines, with the aim to import and distribute wines from Italy in the UK market, focusing on smaller producer and native varieties from Italy. He has recently founded and organized the second edition of the Cardiff Wine Festival. So tell me more about the second edition. It was great. We actually had also uh, Cynthia, who I can see just joined us. Yes. Uh, she came over and it was great to have her over. And of course, Massimo was there as well. Um, the idea behind the Cardiff Wine Festival was to actually bring the producers in contact with the consumer and something that didn't really happen in Cardiff. Um, everybody always stops in London, so it was nice to actually bring some of the producers out of London and into Wales. It's nice for them to see a new new market, really, new uh, trends, new places. And likewise, for the consumers then, it was nice, you know, not having to go all the way to London to actually meet some wine producers. It's a one-day event. We welcomed over a, a thousand guests, hard day, a lot of, a lot of wine being poured. 
this year we had over 270 wines. Um, and so far, it's it's a great success. Oh, that's very nice. That's very successful. And when are you thinking of doing the third edition? Hopefully, uh, we'll be confirming dates very shortly. And the last two editions have been at the last weekend of June. And of course, what's the website for the Cardiff Wine Festival? The CardiffWineFestival.com. Um, and then we have a few social media pages as well with Cardiff Wine Festival. Um, if not our Wines and Vines uh, website, there's more information there as well. Okay, so tell us why you selected Massimo. Pesetti as your favorite producer. Okay, so Massimo and, and his family's uh, story is it really is extraordinary. Passionate winemakers with a great vision um, who have, in a way, become pioneers in Abruzzo when it comes to winemaking. And, you know, what better platform other than the Italian Wine Podcast to share uh, what Massimo and his family are doing? Okay, thank you so much for introducing Massimo for the show on Italian Wine Podcast. Well, what are the learning objectives that we should be expecting from this interview? So today, hopefully, we'll be learning a little bit more about the beautiful region of Abruzzo. Um, its main native grape varieties, Montepulciano and Pecorino, to just name a few. And we'll discover, like I said, the story of the Pazetti family who have uh, actually dared to plant vineyards in the heart of the Gran Sasso National Park at incredible altitude. And how did you discover the wines of Pazetti Vini? So I met Massimo through a few years ago, actually, through uh, another grape producer, uh, Marco Cagliaffa, who hopefully I'll be able to interview him here in the future. And since then, we've had the opportunity to, to learn more about Pazetti in general and, and their wines. Fortunately, I'm yet to visit them in, in Abruzzo, but I have managed to drag Massimo to Cardiff twice now. So we must be doing something right. Okay, that's great. That's great. And yeah, we look forward for the interview with Marco at some point. But today, yes, it's all about Massimo today. Thank you. Thank you, Leica. Okay, so now the fifth generation of the Pazetti family. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure to introduce you to Massimo, who together with his sister, Francesca Rachele, and brother Davide, now run Pazetti Vini, always under the careful watch of Father Mimmo. A real family affair like many wineries in Italy, Pazetti Vini is one of the leading wineries in Abruzzo and in the whole of Italy, I'd like to say, um, associated with quality winemaking, working with the main native varieties of the region and with all their vineyards within the Gran Sasso National Park. Ciao Massimo, welcome. How are you? Hello, Robert. Hello, hello Laika. And hello to everyone. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here to introduce my family and my winery. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you, the opportunity to chat with you on the Italian One podcast. And, and I'm sure our listeners will, will also uh, find your story very interesting. I feel like every time we meet, uh, I always learn something new about you and your wines. Uh, whether it's it's something new to do with the branding or the style of the wines, you're always innovating, always working on something new and new projects, carefully looking at trends. And correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's always not easy to do when, when you're running a, a well-established and quite big winery as well. Yes, we are a family business and um, we learn by our experience. So we had a lot of tradition, very uh, long uh, way in the future so we are working for, to give the maximum that we can it's a very hard work because the vineyard never sleep and of course. we need a lot of uh, passion and feeling to approach this this job it's hard working with the family but the the good things is that you always came back and pointing on the the, the the quality because we know everyone we follow the same the same path yeah 
as yeah, exactly. Perfect. But before we start, I need to ask you this because you know we're we're around that time of the year. How's harvest going? Uh, I know it's not an easy vintage in many parts of Italy, but hopefully we have good news from you. Yeah, I heard about very disaster situation in all of Italy from the north to the south, and for um, uh, sick or uh, too much rain or not enough rain or ice frozen many many problems luckily we have been very very lucky because some years ago my father decided to move all the vineyard that my grandfather left to us to go investing in the mountain of Abruzzo so we are 80 kilometers from the coast up to 500 until uh, uh, 1000 meter above the sea level so we are the highest uh, vineyard in the in Abruzzo, and the only one who can use the logo of the national park, because the national park give us the permission to use their logo to promote and uh, let's show to the people the potential of this uh, green region of Italy. We have a very uh, nice coast and amazing mountains. Uh, full of um, flowers and animals. We have a very um, many, many uh, type of variety of vegetables. So it's a very rich region. And I invite you all to come and see with your eyes and touch with your hands how uh, nature still uh, um, dominates the area the nature always dictates the time exactly it's a great story and, and and we'll be talking about this a little bit later when we talk about tourism but you know you can see is that wine kind of drag in a little bit the tourism in general for Abruzzo. so it's 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 great but i always like to, to point out the the logo yeah. of the national park you know when when we when we drink in one of your wines here in the uk so your father you mentioned you know he he kind of decided to to go more inland rather than uh than staying on the coast uh maybe a risky decision back then but uh, obviously uh, has now paid off but let's if you can take a step back so tell us a bit more about Pazetti Vini when when did it all start yeah I just want to finish the point that our vineyard on the mountains doesn't get sick doesn't fall off the the rest of the the, the end of the grapes for this harvest because we are in the faraway area of the main production of Abruzzo so our clean and purity of the healthy of the grapes is the result of uh, the choice of many years ago just to approach the problem of the climate changing and of course. Uh, the, the massive production. So on the mountains, it's very hard to have a lot of grapes because the vineyard uh, suffer a little bit from the cold and the changing temperature from the microclimate and almost from the heavy uh, rocks from the roots. So from the mountain is coming the minerality and the salty, the natural salty from the wine. We don't use chemical pesticide or herbicide because it's not allowed from the national park and almost we don't need it. So thanks to the heavy wind, the insect doesn't uh, attach the grapes and almost we respect the uh, microbiology del terreno who is full of fungus 
So uh, there's a net of uh, mushroom down to the ground. And if you are going to use chemical uh, stuff, those pesticides are burning the natural bacterial, the, the flora of the vegetables. So uh, it's hard to the vineyard to grow in a desert. So nature follow a circle and everybody, uh, everything have its own reason. Okay, so we respect the insect, we respect the, um, the flora, and thanks to that, we can have every year uh, an amazing harvest, always very clean and healthy grapes. In fact, for that reason, our wine in Abruzzo have the less concentration of sulfite of every other wineries, even more respect to the organic wineries. It's uh, amazing. I guess the only option you have is quality winemaking. You don't really contemplate quantities considering all the, the factors that you mentioned. Exactly. So we do wine for us. And then what what rest we can sell it. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit more. How did it all start? It's fifth generation, a long history in the family. Yes, my, my family a long time ago uh, moved from Veneto to go in, for come in Abruzzo to grow grapes in order to send those grapes to the rest of the family who they was making wine. So when my grand grandfather died on a bomb and his son doesn't have the phone, the cellular phone, so he lo lose the contact with the rest of the family, he decided to start to transform those grapes into wine for sell the wine because it was easier selling wine than grapes and everything start for that reason wow. so with the time my family continue making first of all vineyard okay and selling the wine in like yeah. five liter 10 liter 50 liter so my grand grandmother uh, was taking the wine with the cariola <laughs> uh, to, to sell the wine door to door. And so now there's you, Raquel, and Davide, who's the winemaker. And this is kind of the future for, for Pasetti, right? Yeah, my father and my mother are still in charge of the winery. So we follow them and we always do what they want to do. So they are the captain. Uh, we are still learning the job. So... Uh, we are doing our best, but when my father uh, gets in charge of the winery, because his father was old and sick, he decided to took off all the vineyard uh, around the winery to go investing far away on the high mountain in order to do a different wine, not better, a different, okay? He is the dreamer. He almost followed all the vineyard, he have the passion. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like to think about my father uh, as the man in a movie who get on his knees and taste the ground and say, oh, this is a good uh, place for plants, a vineyard. <laughs> so Incredible. Every time I hear the stories, you know, it, it always fascinates me, the, the courage, you know, back then to risk everything and, and go and, and explore this land that really no one wanted. It, it's great. The last project that he have, had made is to prepare 
the land before to plant the vineyard, mixing different soil, different kind of structure of ground to uh, put clay, to put sand, to put rock or organic material. So we used lombriki, come si chiama? Like worms? Exactly. Okay. We use uh, micoriti, so our sì, la rete di funghi che, che serve a, a, dar, a, a riorganizzare la materia. Ok, so some sort of mushrooms that help to kind of reorganize the soil. Yeah, right. And okay. he started this project eight years ago and we had the fourth vintages from them. And I can assure you that those vineyards who have the mixed land are much stronger and powerful than the other they never suffer the drying they don't suffer the rain and oh, those very vineyards are full of grapes and from the other vineyard we used to pick like 70 80 tons per hectare from those vineyards we arrived at 100 so uh, for us it's an amazing thing because high quality high production close to the coast mm -hmm. lands you can make almost 300 tons per hectare oh wow yeah because it's very hot warm so the vineyard can push the the, the grapes but for us 100 is very an amazing result so we are so proud of this project that my father started eight years ago there's a very famous winery in italy it's one of the first winery of italy that they came in our wineries two times per year just for look and study what my father is doing. So they are trying to take, come si dice, prendere spunto. Yeah, yeah, they, they uh, are looking at the project and, and hopefully re reproduce it. Yes, and uh, last month we came there and we noticed that they was reproducing our way of preparing land so my father was so proud and happy of that that he he pumped his I bet, yes. <laughs> and this is this is i bet the beauty of wine you know we need to share as well the achievements that all winemakers get um so the whole of italy can grow as a, as a wine region um if we can massimo so talking about abruzzo inevitably we 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 think of montepulciano so we're going to dive a little bit more into the varieties that you work with and then the wines that you produce. Montepulciano is a very well-known variety that's widely planted in Italy, not only in Abruzzo, but maybe in Abruzzo is where it best expresses itself. It can give you know, really rich wines, at times earthy and a little bit rustic maybe sometimes in style. Some of them can age really well. But what's your relationship with this variety? How would you best describe Montepulciano? Montepulciano d'Abruzzo is... An amazing grapes, an amazing variety. If you are able to grow vineyard in the right way, you can have a very delicate, smooth, fresh rosé, very pinky color, high minerality, very easy to drink. And if you start from the vineyard and then uh, continue in the winery, following the right way, you can have from the Montepulciano d'Abruzzo a wine that can age for 30, 50 years without no problem. It can arrive naturally at 15 degrees of alcohol very easily. 
and it have a very powerful color. I compare maybe the Merlot, that is a quite light color. It can have 10 points of color. In the Montepulciano, we can arrive at 16, 70 points of color. That's seven times yeah. more. So it's an amazing... I remember you song. invited me once to a tasting from the um, Consortio. I think it was in Provine. And mm-hmm. when I left that place, my teeth were, were black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, because uh, in the skin of the grapes, there are the stuff, the, the tannin, the colors, and all the polyphenoli, antoshani, catechine. Uh, if you fermented the grapes, the juice with the skin, you uh, extract those stuff. If you quickly press soft this, those grapes and divide it, the skin from the juice, you will have very uh, smooth color and light, fruity flower taste. That's the beauty of this variety. And uh, differently to the Montepulciano nobles that everybody fall in, cadono in errore, they... they mistaken. they yes, mistaken the they mistake Montepulciano nobles with, with the Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. The different are the variety, not just the location, okay, or the region. The Montepulciano nobles is made with the Cabernet Sauvignon, the Montepulciano d'Abruzzo is a completely different variety. Ampelograficamente, I don't know how to say it in English, is a different family of vineyard. So they are not even cousin. Okay. Uh, the similar name was given from the family of Medici that in the 14th centuries they came in Abruzzo to commercialize the ship. Okay, they were looking for a wall of, of the ship. Cioè, loro commercializzavano lana di pecora per fare... T- yeah, yeah, a ship wall. Yeah, ship wall. And when they arrived in Abruzzo, they tried the Montepulciano and they see the potential of these grapes. So they decide to give the same name of the Montepulciano d'Abruzzo because at that time, Montepulciano nobles was a very, very famous grapes. So in that way, they buy grapes for a very low price and they move those grapes in the north part of Italy, like my family have made for generation to sell those grapes like uh, Montepulciano nobles to, to, to get rich. <laughs> and so uh, there's this little confusion uh, from the similar name but just the name is similar. The rest is totally different. Don't worry, Massimo. We're used to it. We're used to being confused when, when it comes to Italian wines. Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. Cool. And, and when it comes to white wines, obviously your vineyards, are, uh, like you mentioned, they go up to a thousand meters in, in the Apennines. You also work with some white varieties. I mentioned Pecorino earlier. I know you also work with Passerina. But I'd like to focus a little bit more on Pecorino. What's so special about this variety? The name of this variety is like the cheese, Pecorino. Cheese made from the milk of the sheep. As I told you already 
from the Medici that they came in Abruzzo for the ship wall because in Abruzzo, uh, since the Roman Empire, we used to pay tax to Romans with the ship, milk, meat, wool. So having mountains and coasts, region of Abruzzo is uh, very good to uh, having pascolare, allevare. So having a lot of mm, sheep, those sheep during the summer, they stay on the mountain and a high altitude to eat grease, fresh grease. And when the winter season coming in autumn, they moved on the coast to reach a more warm weather. So during those movements that we call it transumanza, during the transumanza, the animals found the vineyard and they just eat, only eat the pecorino instead to others' grapes. Because the pecorino, uh, like the Chardonnay, arrived to the maturation before the others' variety. So being more sweeter was more appetizer. And so the farmers notice this legume and give the name of the animal to the variety, to the plant. So that's how was born name of Pecorino, the grapes of the ship. And uh, so when it comes to the style of the wine and, and the, the connection that it has in, in your vineyards, because obviously we have Pecorino as well from Le Marche, which is totally different than the one you have in, in Abruzzo. The nice things of Italy is that we have a very straight uh, land and very long. So we have mountains that divide the different region. And in every region, we have different climate, different balance. So plants select his own best place to grow and to adapt for the climate that they are fighting. So Pecorino is from the center of Italy. Because in the center of Italy, we have more medium weather. In the north part, it's very cold. In the south, it's more uh, hot. So in Abruzzo, uh, Lazio, Marche, Molise, the temperature is more medium. Okay, So that's very good for the plant to select his best place. Yeah, that's like you said, that's the beauty of, of Italian wine, really, and, and such great varieties that we have in the whole of Italy. It's a very fruity aroma. Of course, uh, I can assure you that uh, the same variety made with the same system from the same hand, but from the two different sides of the same mountain, it's coming two completely different products. So it's very hard to me to compare a wine from the south with one from the north, because for me it's hard to compare one side of the other side to the same mountain. Uh, that's the terroir. My father, starting from a dream, from a project, he chose the best land from his uh, experience, his sensibility. He chose the right place with the right ground, the right exposure, so you cannot wake up in the morning and say, okay, let's do some wine, start making wine. It's a Absolutely. very heavy job. My brother had studied for 20 years. He had traveled around the world making 10 harvests in all of the world. He had been in Spain, in French, in Germany, in South Africa, in Australia, 
So he traveled a lot to learn and see the world of the wine is, and then come back in Italy to work with his family and give the um, experience that he gained from exactly. So for him, he needs some year to learn and Absolutely. approach the tradition of the family, the traditional way of making wine. Slowly, he start to give his cut, his change but with physics, not chemical. Okay? So Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, through his experiences, he's gained his own way of working. And I was going to say as well, able to, to prevent uh, rather than then uh, cure any possible issues in vineyards and in the cellar. Exactly. He's gained a rich experience behind which is, which is always great. It opens your mind as well. Uh, we, you know, we're in a, you know, in a world where all wineries want to sell abroad. So it's important to also know and see and learn about new markets and how they work in other countries. And so let's move a little bit more on, on the kind of range of wines that you make. We've spoken about Montepulciano and I guess your most iconic wine is the Testarossa. So what's the story behind this wine? A lot of people ask me, oh, is it because of the Ferrari? Unfortunately, no. Uh, Testarossa, it means red head. My father created this brand when my sister was born because she have a red hair and like my brother. Uh, so my, my sister is the first uh, daughter, then me and then my brother. So they both have red hair and it's quite unusual in Italy, uh, the red hair color. So my father want to commemorate his uh, baptismo. So he don't care about spending money. He bought a very particularly strange bottle and using the best wine he have in the winery and asked to an artistman friend of him to realize very particular label. And this artistman creates the label, a leather label pressed with a hot stamp to vest uh, this bottle and everybody fall in love with that bottle because it was very pretty good looking and the wine was amazing so my father understand that the market needs quality they can appreciate the quality instead the quantity so in the 99 when he he became the the owner and he finally was able to realize his dream making different wine pending all of his care and attention ah, very interesting and when it comes to the wine testarossa what is it so it's a montepulciano d'abruzzo riserva right yes for the disciplinary so for the law of making wine or from abruzzo you just need uh, six or nine months in a barrels to put the name Reserva, but uh, we do two years, so 24 months of aging in Barri because uh, we think that the most important part of the barrels is not to give the taste of the wood, but to micro-oxygenate the wine. So with the micro-oxygenation, wine can age, evolve, and becoming more smoother and giving you more spicy aromas. So aging is very important. So it's not just putting the taste of the wood. So after two years of barrels, we can go in bottle. But before the two years in barrels, we spent one year in a cement tank. Cement tanks that was lived from our 
grandfather, he made those cement tanks who are painted with a special uh, glass painting that doesn't give the taste of the wine, so are like stainless steel. But the very good things of those cement tanks are the heavy and large wool that prevents the changing temperature of the wine, so the wine can rest and sleep and uh, stabilize, okay, making a very good nap before to go in the barrels, because the barrels almost give to the wine a little tumulto, so it's a little bit stressed for the yeah. wine, okay? So uh, after the barrels, uh, we need other six months of bottle, so the almost the time of spending in, a, in the glass bottle is uh, essential, because uh, the wine, like the cement tank, can rest and form his uh, long legum and give you more taste, more smell and more body. It's one of my favorites from, from your range and uh, alongside the Pecorino. If you guys have a chance to, to taste it, definitely grab a bottle. So I think we have some time left. And I, there's one question I really wanted to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. um, obviously, recently, there's a lot of talk about what they call enoturismo, the kind of tourism surrounding the wine. In your opinion, what does Abruzzo as a region uh, need to do to improve and become even more so a wine destination. But you're bordering with Tuscany, which attracts all the attention. What do you think, you know, Abruzzo can do during the coming years? Staff are moving. So many projects, many agencies of tourism are uh, burning. They <clears throat> move very, very well. Uh, either us are fixing the taverna in order to do more uh, degustation, to have more people, so we almost have an agritourism uh, up to the, the, the vineyard, but uh, it's still closed because we don't have enough time. So we are still, come si dice, siamo ancora in fase di lavoro, di, di preparazione sotto questo aspetto. Work in progress. Yeah, working progress, exactly. Uh, we focused just on the quality and so uh, we now are working for uh, the project of the new winery all down to the ground, all the winery is, is again, within the, uh, within the National Park. And, and every time we speak, there's, there's a new issue that pops up. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's Italy, we know. Yeah, so it must be a little bit frustrating for you as well, not being able to finish the, this new project, this new winery. Yeah, but we don't uh, give up. So we will continue to push and trying because it's our job, our future. We, we can do wine. That's the things, not... No, of course. And after, after you know, your father's great risks in, in you know, in, in moving there, I guess you need to continue his work as well and take it to the next step. There's one last question as well I wanted to ask you. Um, in a way, you didn't choose this career, you know, but we can say that wine maybe chose you. What's the legacy you as Massimo? Spoken a lot about your father as well, but what's the legacy you as Massimo would like to leave for, for future generations? First of all, I hope to don't destroy everything. <laughs> this will be a good starting point. Good start, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then our market is for more than the half in locally. So we are very well known in Abruzzo. Every restaurant, every pub, every bar, every liquor store 
they have our product. It's a very unusual balance because uh, cioè la percentuale di vendita delle aziende normalmente è prevalentemente estero, è difficile riuscire a, ad affermarsi in regione. E noi invece siamo riusciti grazie al lavoro de- della qualità ad essere molto riconosciuti you focus a lot on, on, on the distribution in Abruzzo and I would say maybe a good 90% is sold in Abruzzo 90% in all of Italy all of Italy, and, ok yeah, and 60% is in, uh, in Abruzzo more than half and how many bottles do you produce at, at the moment? Uh, we produce around 500,000 bottles. Okay, so it's not more nice number that allows you as well to, to look at a foreign market. Obviously, we were a little bit in the UK with you, but which other markets are you present in worldwide? I hope to um, let the Pasetti wine can be drinked in all over the world. will be, for me, a very proud result. Nice. What are your main markets? For the export, the 10% of the markets, we have only little importers that they focus on good wine. And almost because in Abruzzo, there are a lot of uh, cooperative that they Mm -hmm. make very cheap wine. So for us, it's not easy to present a quality wine from Abruzzo because it's very common to think about Abruzzo is a region of vino da fiaschetta, come ti posso dire? House wine. House wine, exactly. But we have a very big, big potential. I can open you a bottle from Harvest 2000. The wine is still amazing, so... This could be mean something. I've tasted it. I definitely invite everyone to do the same. Okay, thanks. It's an amazing conversation. It was very thorough, actually, Massimo. So thanks for your time and also for explaining thoroughly to us. So we have actually two questions from the audience. One from Ellen Douglas. So her question is, how widely available is your wine in the USA? So it's pretty much connected to Robert's last question. Uh, now in USA, it's a um, strange moment because we had um, an importer that he don't leave our dreams. So he just blocked us for many years. And now I just cut him last week so from now i'm looking for a a a good importer to open uh, again the the u.s market because i noticed that in u.s is not the the wine that make you visibility but is the the right person okay i i need to find someone uh, professional now america is quite um a heavy point for me. Actually, our VIA community is uh, a community of wine professionals where you can also connect with um, wine importers. We have here Julie. She's actually importing um, Italian wines. Also, she's mm. Italian-American. Um, if you are going to join for Wine to Wine Business Forum coming this November, um, you can get in touch with our VIA community. Nice. Yeah. So another question from uh, Bev. So she, they have visited um, in Villa Al Mare last October. Yeah, Franca Villa. Yes. yes, Franca Villa Al Mare. Ah, Franca Villa Al Mare. Uh, Laura... Uh, was very my mother. Oh, your mom, she was a gracious host, she said. And she still have the uh, 2004 Hariman, 
My her favorite wine was the wine the one that Laura poured was a rosato sparkling called Victoria. Is Victoria in production? Victoria have been a, a project of me and my brother because when he came back in the 2017 from his study, uh, I proposed him to start making some bubble, some uh, spumante. And so my brother make the wine, I designed the bottle, and we start with the 2000 bottle, just it. 2000 bottle in 2017, 2000 bottle in 2020, 2000 bottle in 2021. So we just keep trying and learning how to making sparkling wine because it's a very different stuff from wine okay before to start making um, more number we would like to be more sure from this result so we cannot put in commerce uh, a bad product so who taste the victoria was lucky because we try it and fortunately the wine was good and we decided to put it on commerce but was very quickly okay. run out of stock so now it's it's out of stock or yes she, oh okay how can bev uh connect with you if she would like to have another bottle she should wait for okay. the next uh, harvest uh, okay. from this harvest we start making eight thousand bottle but uh from now we should wait other two years to come outside in in commerce so it's, um, it's not so easy and quickly making wine. There are uh, time and waiting. You need a lot, a lot of patience. Yeah, for sure. If in any case, uh, your website is passettivini.it. Mm -hmm. And yes. on Instagram, it's Passetti underscore Vini. Yeah, so thank you so much for being here, Massimo and Robert. So that's it for today, folks. And thank you so much. Goodbye, everyone. Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net.